University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkland. Visit ubc-br.org or at ubcbr on Facebook for more information. John unfolds the mystery of the Incarnation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not overcome it. It's ironic, I think, that we read of a word which cannot be fully expressed in human words. But these words call us back to the very beginning of all things, before you or I or anything else was. The claim of this ancient poet is that in the beginning was a word which was with God, the same word that would become flesh and dwell among us. These words call us also all the way back to that other poem in the book of Genesis, where we're told how God brought order and light to a chaotic and stormy darkness. In the beginning, is not us or our hopes and dreams, but the Word who was with God. And it's a good beginning. Not only because it captures our imaginations, but because it is fundamentally, truly good. See, the claim of these writers is that the same presence that was there at the beginning hovering over the waters and waiting to love this world into being. It's also here among us, even now. That goodness is pervasive. But there is darkness. A few days ago was the longest night of the year for some. And in many places in the world right now, there is no daytime, but only darkness. And for many, there is an even deeper darkness than simply the absence of sunlight. There's the darkness of violence, of poverty, and of hopelessness. And yet somehow, mysteriously, Though we are often blind to it, in the midst of this darkness, the light of Christ shines. There's mystery in darkness and light. No amount of great darkness could ever overcome or extinguish light. But one tiny flicker of light can completely erase total darkness. 
And while it might be small, it's hope. And it can grow. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Isaiah foretells the coming of the Savior. A shoot shall come out from the stalk of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. As you remain seated, I invite you to sing along with us. Oh, oh, oh. 
Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. tells of the birth of Jesus. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. 
While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Angels visit the shepherds. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David. Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. I want to start with a question. We meditate on this this morning. When was the last time that you were surprised? Not a little surprised, but genuinely, truly surprised and taken completely aback by surprise. Surprises are memorable to us because they make us look at the world differently. They make us change the way we see 
the world because suddenly things don't look the way that we expected them to. It's a surprise. It can be a good thing and sometimes it can also be a bad thing. I've always been drawn to the story of the shepherds and to those characters in the scriptures. Maybe it's because they are the lowliest and the least of the people at that time. I would expect, if you were going to write this story, you would expect that a king, uh, the prince of peace like Jesus, would have been born in a palace or in an important place in town. You would have expected the first people to hear the news would have been the rich people, the important people, the politicians, the religious leaders, the king and the nobles, you know, the, the beautiful people of the day. But they weren't the first ones to hear. The first ones to hear were the shepherds. Shepherds spent all of their time out in the fields, and I'm not going to say they were all the way at the complete bottom of society, but they were pretty close because they lived outdoors with their sheep. They moved around. Days at a time, they would be away from home, so when they came in, often they would be muddy. They would be smelly. Um, they just had kind of a dirty job. Not really the people that you would expect to be the first ones to hear the news that Jesus had been born. Another reason I love to read the story of the shepherds and to reflect on them is because they are the ones in this story who are truly surprised. Remember, like we said, surprises are what make us change the way we see the world because suddenly the world we thought we understood looks different, and they were truly surprised. Everyone else knew kind of what was going on and had an idea. Elizabeth, the story we heard about earlier, even she knew what was happening. Mary had nine months, give or take, to kind of get used to the idea. Joseph had been visited by an angel ahead of time, so he knew what to expect. He knew what was coming, but the shepherds had no clue. They're out in the dark completely dark at night. They're probably just chilling out and talking. Maybe some of them were asleep, and suddenly there's a bright light in the sky and a messenger to tell them this wonderful news. Now, they weren't sitting around expecting something to happen. None of them would have been thinking, oh, I wonder if an angel's going to show up tonight, because that doesn't just happen anytime. Um, this was the equivalent of them being around the water cooler at work or, or chilling out in the break room, having a snack. They're just doing their everyday thing, and suddenly God breaks in and surprises them. And you know, that's really where surprises happen most often for us, isn't it? It's in the midst of the ordinary times when we're expecting nothing special to happen that those great surprises usually come. And they make us stop and look differently at the world that we once thought we understood. And it's these kind of surprises that change us, that make us see the world differently. I, as I've gotten older, find that I am less often surprised. When I was really young, of course, I loved surprises, whether it was under the Christmas tree or a birthday party or, or some kind of surprise event that I didn't know about. But as I've gotten older, I'm less and less surprised. Maybe you're the same way. You've experienced that. And I used to think maybe it was because of age and experience. I kind of knew what to expect. But I think really what's going on is that I place my own expectations in the way to keep me from getting disappointed. And that's pretty common. As human beings, we make expectations. It's the way that we deal with the world, the way we see things around us. Otherwise, every morning when the sun would come up, oh, the sun, it's bright. There's, uh, there's light in the sky. It's what we expect. We have expectations that those things will happen. But sometimes those expectations, when we're in the midst of day-to-day -day and we expect everything to look like it always looks, those expectations get in the way of allowing God to surprise us. I'm not talking about hope. Tanya's going to talk about that in a little bit. Hope, as we talked about a few weeks ago, is a choice that we make to believe and to, to hold on to some long-term desire. It's a deeper thing. What I'm talking about are just the basic day-to-day -day expectations that we have. God can't break in in this spot and, and speak to me. 
God can't come into this situation that's broken. God can't come into this relationship that I have messed up beyond repair and I'm not going to be able to fix. God can't come into this place and bring healing to my body because it's way too broken. All these expectations that we place on our lives that God, we just feel like God can't do anything with those. And we shut God out. We're not allowing God to surprise us and to do something new. Because I believe God is a God of surprises. God comes to us constantly and does a new thing. So that situation in your life, that relationship that's broken, that part of your body that isn't working the way it's supposed to, um, all of those things, God is waiting to surprise us in some way, and the surprise is not going to look like what we expect. But if we'll put our expectations aside and allow God to come in, God will surprise us. And remember, surprises change us because they make us stop, step back, and take a new look at the world we thought we understood. So today at Christmas time and in this Christmas season, I invite you, encourage you, even urge you to put aside your expectations and just look and see where God is doing something new. Put aside all those thoughts of this is how it's supposed to do. We do our traditions this way and everybody's going to be rude the day after Christmas as they're making their you know, returns to the stores and all that stuff. Just experience it and see where God might step in and surprise us and change the way we see the world.
the shepherds visit the manger. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Now let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told to them. I have collected nativity scenes since I was a child. One of my favorite things to do around the holidays is bring them out and remember the person who gave them to me or the place that I bought them. In almost every single one, Jesus is lying in his little manger just like the Bible tells it. But I have a little bit of a problem with the biblical telling of the story of Jesus' birth. I have a hard time believing that, G that Mary gave birth and just put Jesus down. I think this nativity that John made for me a couple of years ago is a little more accurate. If a woman had written the Bible, it might have said something like, and they held him, and they looked at him, and they marveled, and they couldn't put him down. I can remember those moments just after both of my girls was born. All the work, all the pain, the hours and the months of stress were erased when they put that squirmy, tender, and oh-so-wrinkly beautiful thing into my arms. There'd been nothing yet to frustrate me about that sweet thing, only hope. Hope for their future and for our life together. Before any other family members came in, we prayed over them a blessing and thanked God for their life and the life that would come for them. At that point, they were totally perfect to me. I didn't yet know how much they would change my life. All that there was in that moment was the expectation of what would come. Hope. And here, in this moment, this precious moment, Mary held the hope of the world. She didn't yet know how that life would play out. She only had a glimpse of how this little one might change her life and the lives of everyone. In Luke, it says that she treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. In, their mo in this moment was hope, hope for the future. This moment, this morning, we hold this precious one and we look and we marvel. There is expectation and there is joy. There is hope. We have hopes for how our lives will play out. We have hopes for our family and those that we love. We have hopes for our church. Let us breathe in the beauty of this moment and breathe out.
what are your hopes? As we celebrate new life this morning, what do you hope for your future, for the future of those around you? You should have received a piece of paper. I believe I handed one personally to each of you. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to write down something that you hope for this Christmas. It might be a word, might be a drawing, or another rendering of your hopeful journey. No one will read these. This is a conversation between you and God. Or maybe, like John said, you don't have any pressing hopes. You might choose to write, God, surprise me. Once you've had a chance to write these down and bring them to the front, we also invite you to a time of communion, either individually or as a family unit. You'll gather around the staff member who's present here, Eric and I, and you'll receive this other special symbol of our faith. Mary could never have comprehended all that would happen in Jesus' life. She could never have known just how deeply Jesus would love those around him. Jesus left this symbol for us to remember the power of his sacrifice and the importance of community. So as you bring your hopes, we also share the deep symbol of community that Jesus shared with those he loved most. After they had eaten dinner, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. He took the cup, he offered it to them and he said, this is my blood shed for you. Do all these things in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we take this as a reminder of your birth your life, and your death. We bring our hopes to you and celebrate the community that you create in this space and around the world.